0: This is the TriDot Podcast. TriDot uses your training data and genetic profile combined with predictive analytics and artificial intelligence to optimize your training, giving you better results in less time with fewer injuries. Our podcast is here to educate, inspire, and entertain. We'll talk all things triathlon with expert coaches and special guests. Join the conversation and let's improve together. Together. Together.
1: Hey everyone, great show today as we revisit episode 27 of the Dot Podcast, which originally published on March 30th of 2020 and was called Don't Miss the Most Valuable Training Block of the Season. Our revisiting episodes are, are kind of like a rerun, but a rerun with a reason. Within our first 40 or 50 episodes of the podcast, we released so many that teach core training principles Tryout training. So, with over 200 episodes now out and about in the marketplace of podcasting, we want to make sure these gold nugget, these super important episodes, don't get lost in the shuffle. Uh, newer listeners could be hearing this for the very first time, and we want to make sure they hear it. And our longtime listeners uh, could be hearing it for a second or third time. But the information in all of our revisiting episodes is so paramount to doing the right training right that we want to encourage you to drink the information from the fire hose that is this episode again. On this episode, 27 of the Dot Podcast, we will learn why the development phase of training is where all the magic happens. So many athletes get caught in the trap of thinking the most valuable time for training is when we are getting ready for a race but it's not necessarily true. The development phase is where the training can actually work on increasing our thresholds and getting us stronger and faster. This is the part of the season where you get faster. We'll hear more on that in our main set from our experts. Joining me for this revisiting is Tridot coach Ryan Tibble. Ryan has a BS in biomedical sciences from Texas A&M University and respiratory care from UT Health Center at San Antonio. He serves as the head power cycling coach at Lifetime Fitness and is a certified CrossFit coach and a Pose Method certified run coach. Ryan is a multiple time Ironman finisher and has been coaching with TriDot since 2015. He is even more involved with TriDot team as a TriDot business coach and he helps match coaches with TriDot athletes who want a coach. Coach Ryan, thanks for hopping on and listening to episode 27 with me today.
2: Yeah, uh, thank you so much, Andrew. It's always exciting to be here. And yes, what a valuable episode it was. So detailed in listening to our top expert coaches and CEO of Tridot. It, it was uh, one of my one of my favorites, to be honest with
1: you. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. And I, I honestly, when I was looking back at which episode to revisit, uh, we, we we like to do one or two of these a year. And when I was looking for to choose this one. I couldn't believe I hadn't already revisited this one. It's such a crucial episode, and it's so interesting as we get into some of the science behind uh, training phases, how they're built, why they do what they do. Uh, So anyway, here's how this will go. Uh, Ryan and I will do a fresh warm-up. Then we'll listen to the original main set from episode 27. Ryan and I will sit here. We'll listen to it together. uh, And and that's where I interviewed Jeff Boer, John Mayfield, and Elizabeth James about the development phase of training. And then Ryan and I will reflect uh, on what we just heard as our cool down for today's episode. For anyone interested in racing Challenge Roth in 2024, we have slots. This bucket list race in Germany sells out in less than one minute every single year. But thanks to our new exciting partnership with RaceQuest, you can still sign up for Roth to race in 2024. RaceQuest specializes in endurance sports, race travel, camps, and experiences, and they will be helping us put on multiple top-notch trips for the TriDot family in 2024 and beyond. Now, for Roth in 2024, we can only hold slots for just a little bit. So think about it, check the family calendar and budget, and pounce if you want in. Head to the RaceQuest website and click on TriDot to check out our exclusive package for Roth, The password for that webpage is TRIDOT in all capital letters. And of course, reach out to the team at RaceQuest with questions or for more information.
0: Time time to warm up. up. Let's get moving.
1: When we revisit a podcast episode, we also like to revisit its warm-up question. And our warm-up question on episode 27 was... If you were writing a race day mantra somewhere on your body or your gear to keep you motivated out on the race course, what would you write as that motivational phrase? Uh, back on episode 27, Jeff Buer said he would write Philippians 4.13, the scripture from the Bible, uh, somewhere. Elizabeth said that she would write her race mantra, I am stronger, somewhere. as Just as a reminder that, that whatever uh, the day throws at her, she is stronger, and John Mayfield uh, said that he would write, I've not yet begun to suffer. So anytime out on the race course that he felt like he was suffering, he could look down and see that and be reminded, I- I- there's more suffering in store. Buckle down, let's get going. Uh, Ryan, I'm curious for you, if you are putting a motivational phrase somewhere on yourself or your gear to keep you motivated as
2: you make your way through the race course, what Would that phrase be? Well, you know what? First of all, I have to comment on John's because I can just see or hear him saying that in such a (laughs) calm voice that, you know, John's always so calm. And when he says that, he's like, I've not begun to suffer yet. You know, I just can imagine. But moving on, I, my actually, my mantra is actually identical to Boers, oh, and i did yeah. not know Boers. look at you guys that... two two aggies two texas <laughs> right, two aggies. aggies that's yeah. right um you know i and and just to to say what that means to me that bible verse is actually on my forks of my triathlon racing bike it's also on my helmet of my triathlon racing helmet and in a very abbreviated version of it christ strengthens me I I just it it it's something that I'm grateful for. I I love it and and it just it's I know I am grateful to be able to do these things that I do and it's really meaningful in in that sense that I you know Christ strengthens me and 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 it just keeps me going, keeps me pushing hard and and driving to that finish.
1: We're going to throw this question out to our audience on the Facebook group. Uh we have the I am tried out Facebook group. Go find that group, join it. We have Sixteen thousand uh, at at, the, at this present time. Uh, triathletes just talking swim, bike, and run every single day. And I'm going to throw this question out to you and see uh, if you are putting a race day mantra somewhere on your gear or your body to keep you motivated on race day. What
0: would it be? On to the main set. Going in three, two, one.
1: For a coach designing training, there are a huge number of ways to break down an athlete's season to help gain fitness and peak for race day. At the highest level, there are really two different times during the season, though. The times you are prepping for a race that is quickly approaching, and the times you are training without a race in sight. Today, we're going to be talking about how to approach our training during those times of the year when we are not actively preparing for an upcoming race. So guys, let's start here. How do you optimize training when there's no race on the schedule yet? So actually,
3: um, the 365 days weren't broken into 12 months. It was originally broken into 10 months. That's really? That's why September is 8, 9, November, Nano, 10, DECA. But then Julius and Augustus Caesar both had to have their months. And so they added July and August and then took
1: days away from all the rest of the months. So that's how we end up with 12. I, I 1,000% when I scripted that intro... I 1,000% expected somebody from the, from the <laughs> audience to email in and to kind of give me that history. I, I didn't even bother to look it up because I'm like, you know what? Someone's going to educate me after I say all this on why it was yep. broken up the it's way pretty
3: it was. It's cool. <laughs> pretty cool. If you look back, the Gregorian calendar, the first day of the year was actually uh, March 1st, and they backed it up to January 1st and did some changes there. So if you look for George Wa- and that happened in the early, I think the early 1700s. So if you look up George Washington's birthday, he has two different years of his birth because it straddles it's in that January. So it was in one year and then they moved it from March back to January. And so it became the next year. Anyway, on the same episode, (laughs) on the same
1: episode, we're getting a free history lesson from, from Jeff Booer and we're getting free Yoda impressions from Jeff Booer on the same podcast episode. This is, this is already landmark stuff, but so, um, how do you optimize your, your training schedule when there's no
3: race in sight? Um, this kind of gets started as we as we dig in deeper to the considerations what you can do there's the very i almost call it a a pre-optimization factor Um, and this is going back almost 15 years now when we first started or when i first started even before tried out existed thinking about how do we break up the season how do we start categorizing times of year and what's driving training of course you have the athlete's ability and you know metrics on you know, their profile and their abilities and all like that. And of course you can just
1: train, but how do you optimize that time? What's the best use of that time?
3: Correct. And so it becomes of how do you improve overall fitness in what areas, how do you prioritize those things and make the best use of your time to be most efficient with your time? Um, And so I realized very quickly that there was two realities and those ended up being two phase types later and the one reality was you're training in a time period of the year when the, the requirements of the race course dictate how or have a primary influence on how your training needs to be. If you need to do an Ironman or half Ironman, you need to run 13.1 miles or 56-mile bike. That, that length of the race that is two weeks from now is going to have a driving factor on your training. you've got to be ready to
1: complete that distance. Exactly.
3: But a year before that, two years before that, that length of that course doesn't matter yet. Whatever it is. So you're free to do a lot of stuff, two years out, one year out, six months out, that as you get closer, you're not free to do anymore. So without that constraint, how would you train? And then with those constraints, how would you train? So that was the very first decision from a time prioritization and optimization standpoint uh, that you take. So it's like a pre-optimization, two phase types. Race prep is what we call race prep is when your race is imminent and, and it gets closer. So there's not a, a dead cutoff for swim bike and run at a certain date and okay. there is overlap so you can you train it's a soft transition from the end of one phase to the beginning of the next so um, but there is if you in periodized training you are going to block it off and have structure within each phase of you know mesocycles um, but it is that the development phase is when the um, the requirements of the race distance don't have as much influence or impact or restriction on what you can do so it's a more freer time. And then as you get closer to the race, that's a race prep phase. And that is where one of the primary drivers of your decision-making and optimization are the requirements of the race. So, so when do these kind of race phases happen? So the, the time when there's no race on in sight, it can happen a, a few different times. One is after the last race of one season. So you're finished a race, you may take a week or two off, you know, just so we're not counting that time, just I need to chill, don't want to burn out, spend some time with family, go on a vacation, whatever, holidays... Um, so it's not counting that time. But after that, it's back. You're ready to train. You have time to train. You want to focus. You may not know what races are coming up. So that's one time. Um, another time is when you may have some indecision. So you're getting close to the season it's going to start, but you have some family vacations you're not sure about. You might take a new job. You know, all of these different things are still in flux. You know, it's preseason. Maybe it's just you know what race, but you're just nine months out from it. So there's a long time. And so you don't need to start going long yet. And so you have that preseason. And then there's the other time and that's when you're going through a global pandemic yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and um, everything's on hold and you don't know when races are going to be scheduled and so you're dealing with this weird reality when normally you may be right in the middle of you know some ramping up and for a, a lot
1: of athletes they were smack dab in the yep. middle of that yep. i mean when i got my email saying iron man texas was going to be postponed i was the next day i was supposed to have a four hour 45 minute trainer ride and so it's okay if i'm not racing now in a month i don't need to do a four hour 45 minute trainer ride so what do i do or maybe you do or maybe i do how do I know? What do I do? Okay, so let's so let's kind of talk about this this phase that we're talking about. You know, when when your uh, race isn't imminent, you don't have something, you know, right now that you're preparing for. Uh, you know, we, we like you said, Jeff, we call that the, we call that the development phase. Um, so what is the development phase? And as athletes, what are we looking to achieve during these training times?
4: The main focus in the development phase is going to be increasing an athlete's functional threshold in all disciplines. So an athlete is looking to gain speed and strength in the swim, bike, and run so that they can enter that race preparation phase as strong as possible before needing to increase their stamina for that specific race distance.
5: So one of the things we talk about uh, fairly often is, is one of our kind of core mantras within Tridot is fast before far and strong before long. So that's that's speaking to building this functional threshold prior to building that stamina. So we want to get fast before we we take on these these longer races, knowing that it's that functional threshold that's going to power us through through those long races. So um, when we talk about that, this is really what we're talking about. Is and this is how that's achieved. This is how we get fast before far and strong before long. Because it's it's the difference. Of of training specifically for functional threshold as opposed to, to training for stamina. We we talk about this uh, at length in uh, episode ten. That's that uh, escaping the power stamina paradox. Uh, that's one we've we've referenced back a ton. It's um, like
1: one one of our one of our brainier headier training theory episodes, but but so core to how to optimize there's training.
5: There's a ton of truth in it, and, yeah. and some of it's not necessarily intuitive, uh, but once explained, it it really makes sense. Uh, and, and some of it even flies in the face of, of what is a long-held, uh, even misconception within training and uh, coaching and triathlon in general. So uh, it's a very in, important uh, topic and it's something that really can, can revolutionize an athlete's training
3: and their approach uh, as well as their race results. Yeah, It's definitely a, a five light bulb episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a lot of things, ah, you know, these uh, things make sense when you when you get that concept and understand what's going on. And you think about, you know, what Elizabeth was saying, you to function on or focusing on the functional threshold. And it's because maintaining that high volume, the stamina, the things that you have to do when you get closer to a race, that comes at a cost. You only have so much time, energy, and ability to absorb training stress. And when it's driven by the race distance as you get closer, there's things that you can't do because of that. And so this time, this um, development phase is far enough out where you're free to do that. You can focus on um, your FTP. You can focus on form. You don't have to worry so much about how long you're swimming. Make sure every form stroke is perfect and really work on things. Go back to uh, add strength training, have more time for that, a lot of injury prevention. Uh, I know in our training, the drills that you do during that time are more focused on where you are developmentally as a swimmer with your stroke and as you get closer to a race the drills you start doing are more race specific and so you may may spend less time in those early fundamental races that you need to habituate the new movement over a long period of time and if we have a long period of time you're going to spend more and build that foundation during a developmental phase whereas if a race is coming up you may go through that faster
1: just because the race is imminent. Got it. So when an athlete is not in this development phase, it's because they are approaching a race and thus they're in the race prep phase. What are the most noticeable differences athletes will see in their swim, bike, and run training in between these two phases?
4: So I know we've already touched on this a little bit, but I mean, truly in the development phase, athletes are going to notice sessions that specifically focus on those upper intensity zones to develop that functional threshold. So there's going to be some intense interval work with the specific purpose of creating those physiological adaptations that are going to make an athlete stronger and faster. Um, Another thing that um, Jeff just touched on, and I know we've touched on in other episodes, is is an athlete's training stress and their training stress profile. So an athlete has a very finite and specific amount of training stress that they can absorb within any given session, a week, and a mesocycle. Um, and without having those longer duration workouts that are focused on increasing stamina and, and are essentially taking away some of that available stress that can be absorbed in training, the intensity can be higher in some shorter duration sessions as they're working to increase that functional. And that's what threshold.
1: helps us build mm-hmm. that, that power, that speed get faster and stronger.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's even more significant in, uh, as you age, as you get older, um, you know, older athletes, as they're getting closer to races, they can't do a lot of high um, muscular endurance and some of those things. Neurological stress is very taxing the older you get. Whereas in development phases, they can do that and they can maintain that, that power longer in life, longer into their triathlon career. Oh, wow. Uh, whereas younger people can do it longer into their, their race prep phases.
4: Mm-hmm. And and when an athlete enters that race preparation phase, their training stress profile doesn't change. They can still only absorb a particular amount of training stress within that mesocycle of their training. So I would say that, you know, the biggest differences that an athlete would see in kind of the movement between these training phases is if they're going from a development phase into like an Ironman race preparation phase. So in general, you know, sprint and Olympic distance racing is done at or near an athlete's functional threshold. And the stamina required for those distances is either largely um, or entirely covered by the volume that they're already completing in the in that development phase um so a sprint and olympic race preparation phase may look very similar to the development phase but now you know, on the other side of that, in an Ironman or a 70.3 race preparation phase, the structure of that training cycle has to shift the focus from developing that functional threshold to now increasing the stamina necessary for that race distance. So during that race preparation phase, athletes are going to notice an increase in the duration of their training sessions, particularly kind of those long bike and those long run sessions.
5: So one thing I refer to as stamina is it's it's somewhat of a necessary evil. And uh, obviously nothing wrong with stamina, um, but it, it comes at a cost. And uh, building functional threshold and building stamina are somewhat mutually exclusive. It's, it's difficult to To do them both at the same time for for some of those reasons that Elizabeth mentioned and, and Jeff mentioned as well. Um, so the one thing that's that's unique about these development phases is that we don't have to build stamina, so we can focus exclusively on building that functional threshold. And and when we say functional threshold, we're really speaking to um, swim, bike, and run. Uh, it's it's power, it's speed, it's it's how how powerful can we build the engine how fast can we create the athlete because that speed and that power that is that is obtained in these development phases is going to have a direct impact throughout the race season whether you're continuing to to race short course uh which as elizabeth mentioned is a is a um is a functional threshold event or whether you're on the opposite end of the spectrum racing Ironman, which is much more of a stamina event it's still that functional threshold that's going to determine how fast and how powerful you're able to complete those events so I refer to stamina as, as being cheap um, and functional threshold is expensive. And so I think it's, that can help uh, contextualize how we approach them. So stamina is cheap because you build it real quick. Um, and an athlete that's in a, a reasonably good condition can go from uh, very low volume to Ironman ready in eight, 10, 12 weeks um, if they had to on the short end. Uh, so you build this stamina very quickly uh, but at the same time, it also dissipates very quickly. So if you go from your Ironman race where you're able to race for 10, 12, 14 hours, uh, and you don't do any training for a month, a lot of that stamina is going to erode. It erodes very quickly, and it's, wow. it comes at a high cost to maintain. Uh, functional threshold, however, is uh, is much slower to build. It takes much more time. To increase the power of that engine, uh, but again, as we mentioned, this is what's going to really determine your your race success. If you're if you're gauging your race success based on time, functional threshold is your key component. That's what's going to determine uh, your race results. But as I mentioned, it takes time to develop. It takes uh, a lot of time to drop ten seconds off your hundred pace, especially the the stronger you are as a swimmer to drop five seconds off your 100 pace it may take months or, or a year depending on, on where you are. Same thing with your your functional threshold power to, to gain 10 watts uh, may take a, a significant amount of time or to drop uh, 10, 20 seconds off your 5K time. Those are all functional threshold events. Your 100 pace, your 20-minute power, your 5K time, those are all functional threshold events. So I think people understand that, that yeah, at a certain extent, Early on, we make those gains real easy. We had to have that low hanging fruit where we can drop a minute off the 5K time every month, and we reassess. But at some point, when we build up to that that critical mass, those gains become um, much more difficult. You have to invest a lot more time. You have to be much more intentional in making those gains. You can't just go out and and, uh, go on random runs or random bike rides and and see these these gains at at some point. So it's very expensive. expensive. Yeah, it's very time consuming. It's something you actually have to, to really work on, really focus on, be very intentional in, in doing. But the good news is, is they stick around much longer. Um, yes, you still have to maintain your fitness. Yes, you still have to to do the work, but um, you're, you're going to be able to maintain those paces and those those power numbers for a much longer period of time. So they're going to stick with you um so you can you can take these gains from one season to the next uh whereas as a rule it's very very difficult to maintain stamina from from one season to another so if you uh if you race a late season ironman race uh to to maintain that stamina into the following season where there may be a four five six it's it's gone yeah it's the, the work required to, to do that is going to be very taxing. Uh, you're going to have a very high injury predisposition, a really high injury risk. if and you're you not going to get faster. Do the work, And that's the big thing is the cost. Um, so in order to maintain that high amount of stamina, that means you're not going to be working on your functional threshold. So you're not getting any faster. In fact, you're neglecting your functional threshold, which means you're actually getting slower. So you're able to go longer, but you're going slower because you've, you've chosen... To maintain stamina, and and in doing so, whether you realize it or not,
1: you've neglected your functional threshold, and that in time is going to erode. Yeah, no, that's I mean, you're saying all of that, and I'm just thinking back to my own training, because uh, I, you know, we did the episode like you said about the power stamp stamina paradox. You know, we've talked in the podcast before about when you really slip into training for stamina, it really inhibits your ability to train your functional threshold. And so I got to see that at work in my own training for the first time while I was getting ready for Ironman Texas, because, you know, my, my, my run dot, swim dot, bike dot, you know, every single month was just getting a little faster, a little faster, a little faster. Uh, you know, those 5k times, you know, you drop in 10, 10, 20 seconds off every single time. And then once you got into that race prep phase where I was working on my stamina and the runs were going from an hour and a half to an hour and 45 to two hours to two hours 15, you know, suddenly my 5k wasn't getting any faster. Uh, but Every single long run I would take, you know, if it was an hour and a half one week, and at the end of it, I was just like, "Oh man, that was really hard." And then I look, I pull up the program, and next week was an hour forty-five. <sighs> How am I going to run an hour forty-five? That hour and a half was really hard. And then I get to the hour forty-five the next week, and at the hour and a half mark, I was fine. Mm-hmm. And then by hour forty-five, I was tired, and and, and so like e- each week, as that bike ride became went from three and a half hours to four fifteen. Well, that jump actually, like I was ready to make that jump after having done the three and a half the week before. So, so I, I was very, not, not, not surprised, I guess pleasantly surprised that everything we talked about, I, I could see it at work. I could see that, man, this stamina is really coming along quite well, quite yeah. quickly. It,
5: it comes quick. And, and one thing just to, to kind of follow up is um, there's, there's no limit on how much functional threshold you need. Um, Unless you're winning every race by a massive margin, you don't have enough <laughs> functional thresholds. So that that is something that you can always you can still continue. Get faster. You always need more, um, you know. Unless you're just a, a casual athlete that's not really concerned with time, um, sure. But I think for the most of us, we want if we're going to do the training, if we're going to race, we want to race faster. We want to improve our ranking. Functional threshold is that. So, again, unless you're just obliterating the field in every single race, which there's not a single person in the world that's doing that at every given distance, um, that functional threshold can continue to increase. There is marginal benefit from having more functional threshold. There's At a certain point, and, and it would be specific for each athlete at each distance, there's not a marginal benefit to having more stamina. So in order to race a sprint race, you don't need Ironman stamina. Once you have sufficient stamina to complete the sprint race or the Olympic race, you don't need the stamina to go uh, for, for 8, 10, 12 hours. Obviously, if you're racing 70.3 or Ironman, you do, but even still, there's, there's a limit on how much stamina that you need. Uh, you only need enough stamina to successfully and, and, and complete well 140.6 miles to race Ironman. There's no need for additional stamina to do work beyond that. So again, do create the stamina
3: that you have to when you have to spend the rest of the time building the engine. There's another couple of things I'd add. One is like a hidden limiter there and then another hidden benefit uh, to focusing just like we've been talking. Um, hidden limiter is the ego. A lot of times people want to post <laughs> about and talk about how long they went. And so there's this, I, oh, I just got back from my two and a half hour run. Oh, and Girl. you
1: see that on the Ironman Facebook groups. because the be, I mean, you're four months out from yeah. Ironman and people are like, here's my training today. How is yours? And right. it's like, why are you biking 150 miles and right. then running? To, but there is half- some ego, some pride,
3: some yeah. whatever. And that comes at a cost. Um, the hidden benefit is uh, we talked about just, just general injury, not overtraining. Um, but from an efficiency standpoint, when you're, say, you're running, especially running and swimming too, the longer you do that, the longer your runs are, um, the more percent of that time you are using poor form. So if you're running, great runners can hold really good form for, you know, 45 minutes, something like that. So if you're running these long ones, especially for most age groupers, uh, when you're running long, you're spending maybe 15, 20 minutes with pretty good form, and, and then, then it deteriorates. So you're spending more time every week running and habituating bad form so not only are your, is your threshold fitness coming down or not going up, but your efficiency is deteriorating, your form is deteriorating, and the more you do that, the harder it is to fix later. And so what running, focusing on your threshold, reducing those long runs enables you to develop more power, but also more percent of your strokes, steps, strides, pedals uh, are uh, with better form. And so you're habituating and improving your efficiency at the same time. So there's this double whammy of power goes up and efficiency also goes up
1: yeah which really reinforces john's point that stamina is kind of the necessary evil because it's necessary because you have to have the stamina to, to finish the day but you know it, it's it's evil in the sense that you you are breaking down your body you are breaking down your form you are kind of losing a little bit of your threshold uh, over time um so so let's kind of move into this i know that we've kind of talked about how our race schedules are what primarily determine what phase type that we need to be in at any given time right? We either have a race coming up or we don't. So, so help me and our listeners kind of with some of the specifics here. When we add a race to the calendar, at what point does it impact what training phase we're in?
3: Well, that's, it, it depends. And so that's relative to the race distance. It's relative to the athlete's ability. Um, it's a relative to, um, the, the amount of increase. So, so you're taking the, uh, how long does it take that athlete to finish that particular race distance? Then you're saying, well, how much can that athlete improve from week to week to week? That's based on um, body composition, how long they've been doing the sport, whether it's a run or a bike, you can improve, you know, increase more on the bike than you can on the run because there's no impact. Um, Genetics comes into it. So there's this concept of uh, we use increasable weeks. So how many weeks between now and race day are increasable? How many can you increase? So you're going to take off those rest weeks. Um, You're going to take off if you have a B race in there. You have a little taper recovery before and after. So that removes two weeks of increase. So now you need to start your increase sooner. if You're back planning from your race day. Um, so there's all of those factors that will, uh, impact what that is. So the really, the thing is, is looking at, um, at that time between your race day and backing up to the the current time. And it's not just a, it's not like, I think I mentioned right up front a hard line where this automatically happens on one day from you. You don't start increasing on your first week of race prep phase in Tridot it's it's overlapping. You'll see if you add a a race that the last maybe the last two or three weeks of your development phase, the the volumes of your run start going up and maybe your bike stays the same because you have to increase more on the run than you do on the bike. You're able to absorb those increases on the bike and you might start that ramp up at week eight, you know, T minus eight. And on run it might be, you know, 12 weeks out. And so that might not be relative to, you know, a pure break from phase to phase. But it's really that the athlete's ability, the race distance, how many increaseable weeks they have, and what is their increased tolerance by overall volume and long session between now and then.
1: Does it matter at all when in the season our A races are? Like, like will a spring Ironman or 70.3 have a different impact on our development phase than a fall Ironman or 70.3? Or is it all just relative to where you are in the season? It's relative. It's not really a season, seasonal at all. It's just
3: when is your race and what is now? How far okay. is that from now? so if you're saying if you're if you're saying when should i start training you know when should i get serious when should i start optimizing my training sooner always today today (laughs) yes because this prepares you and that's another thing just about the name of the phases so whether you're in a race prep or developmental you're preparing for your race whatever your race is even if your race is not identified you're still preparing from your race you're going to be in a better starting spot to start that race and even if you're you know not in a developmental phase, you're in a race prep phase. You're still developing, you're developing stamina, you're developing fitness form. All of those things, you're still doing both always, but it's just a classification that we use. So I think the, the, the thing that matters the most is the time, how much time is between now and that race. And um, there's a benefit to starting earlier because you're in, in essence shortening your race. And so you get this duplicated, amplified benefit, kind of like I mentioned before, when you increase your power and decrease the cost, your drag, your... You know, your poor efficiency, you become more efficient and faster at the same time. There's this double whammy. The same thing that happens, the more time you spend in your development phase, you're shortening your race. So you're getting faster. You're shortening the distance that you have to go on your race day. Instead of doing a six hour bike, you're doing a 530 bike. Well, now it's not going to take you as much time uh, to complete that race. So you don't have to ramp up as far. So now you can start your ramp up a whole week later, which means you get more time to develop power. And with a shorter race, now on your power curve, if, say, your FTP, your functional threshold on the bike is 300, and you'd normally be doing, I don't know the math here, but, you know, 75% um, of your threshold. Well, with a shorter race now, you can do 78%. So you increase the, the long tent pole, the threshold, so you have a higher start number, but you also shorten the race, so now you can do even a higher percentage of that higher number. Yeah. And be more efficient. And have more time to develop. So there's multiple three or four things all being amplified that that concept of optimizing uh, this time.
1: And so the the a concrete example of that, um, just to kind of kind of give one, give one um, to give people kind of a little picture of that, because uh, that's such a key principle. The the professional athlete who's going to finish an Ironman in eight hours, they if I'm, if I'm understanding this clearly, they don't need to start working on their stamina as soon as an athlete who's going to finish that Ironman in 13 hours because that athlete has to get themselves ready for a 13 hour long race they're only getting themselves ready stamina wise for an eight hour race is that correct exactly yeah the mileage is the same but the time is significantly different
5: yeah and that's really what the body perceives is the time on the course not necessarily the miles or the distance that's
3: covered yep so they're going to go um you know an hour faster hour and a half faster on the bike Yeah. (laughs) So, and um, when you go back to the increaseable weeks and how you determine all of that other thing, they are young, they are fit, their body composition is great. They have a, probably a very consistent, their, their injury risk is much lower. So they're able to train more, increase more every week. And so all of these factors are amplified in what they're able to do. There's a short gap. They're able, probably sustaining a little higher volume. And so there's less, their starting point is much higher. Their ending point is much lower. So there's less gap. And a lot of them, um, I train uh, a number of pros who throughout the season, you know, their long rides throughout the year were, you know, two hours. And then on race day, it was two hours. Yeah. And so they were in the same developmental volume year round. And so they were constantly getting their FTP higher and higher and higher and higher uh, without that cost.
1: So most triathletes obviously are not just content with knocking out one race a year. You know, most of us line up several. Um, some are our top most important a races some are tune-ups for those a races some are for fun some are because they are local and right down the road long story short here how can we know in between races what type of training phase we should be in
4: oh man there's there's a lot of great things to address here um so first off athletes do kind of need to consider what their personal goals are within the sport so I, I know that John had mentioned earlier that, you know, many athletes are looking to be as, as fast as possible and really kind of go for those personal bests in their upcoming races. And in this case, the athlete needs to carefully consider what their A race is going to be and how they are going to best prepare for that event. So adding in a bunch of other events prior to that race preparation phase for an athlete's A race could certainly hinder their ability to develop their functional threshold if they need to kind of exit out of that developmental phase into a race preparation time. Um, Because if athletes are always preparing for a long race event and, and they're needing to focus on that stamina, then they're missing the opportunities that are within that developmental phase. Um, so that, you know, the race preparation phase we've already, we've already talked about, you know, stamina is that necessary evil. Um, it's, it's super important. You need to develop that stamina in order to get to the finish line. But the most important work is taking place before you even begin that race preparation phase. Um, kind of as, again, as we've mentioned, once you enter that race preparation phase, your finishing time is already largely established.
1: Your best case scenario is already there.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, you know, there are small marginal gains still to be made and you know, that, that stamina is necessary, but at that point, you are really just working to hold a percentage of your functional threshold for the duration of that race event. Um, you're not necessarily making those gains on that functional threshold anymore now to address, you know, the other part of the question there with, you know, the number of races and those local events down the street. Um, and and knowing what training phase you're in you know knowing what training phase you're in or what you should be in it's it's not a guessing game it's not necessarily going to be you know x number of weeks or the same for each athlete either um try dot season planner is one of my absolute favorite tools and something that i'll i'll frequently reference when i'm working with athletes and we're planning for their goals and the races for the upcoming season So the season planner really allows athletes and and coaches, too, to assign priority to the events that an athlete is either registered for or they're considering for their upcoming season. And then you can see how those events are going to interact with one another and how that is going to really impact the training phases that an athlete will go through. So those A races should be assigned first. Then based off of those A races, we kind of determine what else is important to the athlete and how that fits in with those most important events. So within TriDot, you can designate an A, B, and C priority race. And placing that A race on your season planner is going to generate a race preparation phase. And then, you know, to kind of address the athlete that wants to do the number of local events and, you know, doing that local sprint race down the road might be very important to that athlete, even if they are in that Ironman race preparation phase. Um, You know, that local event might be something that they've supported since the race first began. They may want to include it um, and and they can include it but maybe we're going to designate that as a C race so they can participate still you know support their local racing community but not at the expense of you know a development phase or potentially their race preparations
1: so they can still do really well in those races you know they 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 might if it's a local sprint you, you might be 30 seconds to 3 minutes slower because you didn't taper for that race but at the end of the day if you have a more important race coming up you're going to gain even more of that time back working on your threshold uh, since you let that sprint remain a race right
4: mm-hmm. well and you know sprint races might fit very well within that athlete's developmental phase because we've already talked about too that you know the sprint race is going to be basically at the athlete's threshold and so as they're doing this threshold work that might fit in very nicely and and the season planner is a great way to just kind of look at how all those things interact and I probably made that sound a little bit more confusing than it actually is or needs to be but
1: I was tracking with you
4: okay I I mean the season planner because it's such a fantastic tool it walks athletes through that entire process so the athlete isn't there left you know trying to make decisions about what training phase they're in or you know what phase optimization needs to look like Um, the training is going to be optimized and, and therefore appropriate for the athletes events that are coming up so so, you know, if an event isn't in the near future, if there isn't a race in sight, then you're in that developmental phase. If you're preparing for a race, then you're in that race preparation phase and the season planner is going to designate all of that.
1: I, I know when I'm sometimes looking at, okay, I know in the fall, you know, maybe this month or that month I'll do a 70.3 and I start looking at, you know, the different races that Iron Man has on the calendar, you know, for that time period and, oh, do I want to do this one? Do I want to do that one? you know, sometimes I'll just kind of go ahead and input those on the season planner, just, mm-hmm. just to kind of see, you know, how does this fit with the rest of my schedule? How is this going to, to change, you know, my, my training, if I pick this race over that race and, and, and to your point, it's a really great tool to kind of see how, uh, certain races being, being certain, uh, priorities, uh, are, are going to affect it. So, uh, and I think with that though, a lot of athletes, they kind of have the mindset that they start preparing for their race. They start preparing for that Ironman. They start preparing for that 70.3 or whatever their main a race is. They think they start preparing for it. Uh, when they are a few months out from that race day, a few weeks out from that race day, maybe, um, I, I, I have a buddy of mine, um, that, that he really enjoys running. Um, he does a a triathlon, maybe one a year, maybe one every other year. He likes the sport. It's a, it's an occasional hobby for him. and, and, and when I started training with TriDot, and, and he was really interested in it, he, he asked me one time, he was interested in doing uh, 70.3 Indian Wells. And, and he was like, okay, Andrew, at, at what, what month do I need to sign up for TriDot to be ready to race 70.3 Indian Wells? And, and, it's, and it's kind of this common misnomer we see where people think that, okay, I need to sign up onto a training plan, or I need to get that coach, or I need to, to start preparing for that race three months out, two months out, four months out. What, what, what is that time block? And that's what he was getting at, and it's like, no, you, you need to start preparing for that race right now, because uh, c- you're you're going to be getting faster for that race if you start right now. You know, once you get to three months, four months out, to your point, you're just building the stamina. So, so, I I, I guess maybe John, talk to me about people that have this misconception. Uh, how would you address that mindset of, oh, I start preparing for that race at that time? I think
5: it is a mindset issue. Uh, I think oftentimes triathletes don't look at, um, don't look at their, their they look much more at their racing than they look at their training. And they allow the races really to dictate what their their training phases look like. And so they get kind of stuck in that pattern is that I'm training for this race, then I'm training for that race. And if the race is not, say, uh, three to four months out, then they don't really feel like they're training specifically for a race. And oftentimes we will see, is um, they just kind of do random training they're, they're not really intentional in what they're doing they're not specific in uh, in what they're doing and in, and we mentioned yeah it's fine to take a couple of weeks here or there just to relax and enjoy the sport um, but when we when we want when we when we invest the time in training we want that time to be productive and we want that that training to to improve our results on race day so um, right you you are going to um, your training is going to be very focused uh, several months out, especially when, when we're racing 70.3 in Ironman distance races, which uh, a lot of our athletes are. Um, so this is obviously where we have to, to be intentional in our planning here. There has to be, as, as Jeff mentioned, um, those incremental gains. We have to have sufficient time uh, that we can make safe gains each week so we can build that, that stamina Um, I, kind of dogged stamina earlier, called it a necessary evil, but, uh, it is absolutely critical to have that stamina on race day. So we have to, we have to prepare, um, for that. So, so that's what happens is we see that and the, the training changes often, especially for those long course, um, races where the training doesn't look like it did previously. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how we get caught up, um, in that, but really every race, is the sum of our entire triathlon, or e- even even prior experience. It's the sum of all of our training. It's the sum of all of our knowledge and experience. Uh, it's every race is an opportunity to put together every session we've ever done, everything we've ever learned, every bit of experience we've ever gained. Uh, and, that, and that's kind of splitting hairs, but but it really is an important distinction to make. In that we are um, today, the training we do now is absolutely having a direct impact on our next race and really, to a certain extent,
1: every race from here on after. So, John, back on episode 18 of the TriDot podcast, we talked about triathlon coaching in the era of artificial intelligence. And one of the things that came up on that show was at what point in this season is it most beneficial for an athlete to have a coach? And, John, you specifically said that you would actually rather work with an athlete further out from their race while they're in this development phase working on our thresholds as opposed to during the race prep phase building the stamina closer to the race does that have to do with what we can accomplish during these different phases
5: yeah and it's, it's something that uh, elizabeth spoke to earlier and i think we've mentioned it several times throughout is that it's it's really uh the the work done in these development phases that really produces the actual finishing time and that's so often what what an athlete is is after um most of our time our goals are somewhat time-based even just to finish that's still a time-based goal because you have to make those cutoffs so we're we're gauging our success our happiness our enjoyment of the sport based on our time those times are going to be determined by the work that is done uh, as we mentioned not necessarily in those last several weeks or months but really in in these development phases where we're able to build that that engine and and as, as i just mentioned so many athletes do it wrong um they they misuse this time or they they don't realize the importance of the time Um, so that's why I would say that, um, I'm, I'm just a big advocate of having a coach year round. Um, and, and so I, I would definitely not advocate for, for picking a three to four month period. You're going to get your best results from working with a coach. Um, through through both development phases and race prep phases, uh, but as I mentioned, so many athletes just do it wrong. So I would rather work with the athlete in that that very critical development phase and then kind of let them go on their own to to do the, the race prep. Um, but but each phase, the development and the race prep, have have unique opportunities and and challenges that it's it's really beneficial to have uh, one of the expert coaches guiding you through those challenges through and both. through those yeah. opportunities, sharing uh, their experience and their knowledge. Um, but yeah, so many times that ramp up is just either neglected or just not
1: done right. Y'all have mentioned that it's good to stay in the development phase as long as possible before race day and and whether our race is a sprint Olympic half or full can impact how long we can stay in the development phase. But talk to me about this with each athlete being so different, will the timing of how long we can stay in development and be impacted by things like our age, our ability, our experience, or is it just more about what race we're preparing for?
3: Uh, it's, it's all of those things. It is dramatically impacted by your age, uh, your experience, your body composition, genetics, all of those things impact the swim, the bike, and the run all differently. Um, people that are older, their bones are starting to get a little softer. Uh, the impact, they heal um, you know, less rapidly. Um, genetically, the same same kind of deal. So you can you need to ramp that person up slower. Um, someone else uh, can be very very durable. Been doing the sport for a whole long time. Genetically, they're very have a very low predisposition for injury, and so that looks very very different um, for all of those athletes. And so all of those things have a, a big impact um, to how long those phases are. Uh, when they should you know add the even the B races and some other races like that, it, is, it gets to be very important to optimize those and drop them at the right time. So if you're going to do a half Ironman on the way to a full, you know, don't do it four weeks out uh, because that's right in the middle of the height of your big volume. And so that half is not um, long enough to help you improve. But if you can align that at the time when your long sessions would normally be about the same duration as that race, then you're, it's kind of on the path. You're, it's not slowing you down any. Um, and so that allows you to have a shorter race prep phase and spend more time in development, which that's something that somewhat flies in
5: a lot of logic as well, because oftentimes those 70.3s are scheduled on the same race course three to four weeks out. So it's, it's very, and I think there's even somewhat of a misconception that these athletes need to do that half Ironman three to four weeks out from, from the Ironman race. And in reality, as Jeff said, it's, uh, probably most likely more often than not it's going to be counterproductive to not necessarily do the 70.3 there's nothing wrong with that however it's that opportunity cost of how are you spending that weekend and the days leading into that what weekend. else could
3: you have done on that weekend exactly. exactly you're giving that up and not just the weekend but the weekend before it, you're going to taper, so you're likely missing a long ride and a long run before it because you don't want to get injured going into it. And then yeah. coming out of it, you need to recover from just doing a half, and so you're going to miss another long run. So it can be a three-week window when you didn't get to improve. And so your longest ride going into that, the fourth week, the two weeks after your your half, the longest one you could have done before could have been four weeks prior. And so that's a big gap. Wow. It's a big injury. I don't know why they're scheduled three weeks out, four weeks out, wherever they are. I don't know if it's more of a logistics thing. The team started already showing up in town or if there's an advantage that, you know, there could be economic things driving that uh, logistically. Um, but it's definitely better. I've, w- there are times when people just want to, all oh, my friends are doing this local. I'm going yeah. but I also want to do, you know, I want to do the full And you're belt. talking about the that. instances
1: like, uh, like Arizona, the 70.3 Arizona takes place three, four weeks before Ironman Arizona. Right. Like those kind of instances, right? Right. Okay. Right.
3: And so it depends on why you're doing it, um, why you're doing the race. Um, I've coached people before if they really want to do it, they're doing it with friends. It's, it's a non, a performance issue. They're not doing it to better their performance. But it's it's social. It's I want to get the jitters out. I want to you know any number of non-performance based reasons um, to where they go. They might do the swim and the bike and skip the run, or do the swim, bike, and run, um, and then get back on the bike. You know, and so they're not missing a long Cause it, bike because they
1: needed more bike that weekend. Correct, okay. and
3: so they might ride easy for two hours immediately after their race. And so there's some ways that you can mitigate some of that opportunity cost um, around those, those types of weekends, but you're going to, it's also going to be more
5: feasible for your more seasoned athletes as well. Uh, your stronger, more seasoned athletes, you know, those that are doing it and taking on Ironman for the first time, that's incredibly valuable training time. Um, and a 70.3 really just is not the same as Ironman. In fact, it's, it's half, (laughs) but there's a, a, just a massive difference between racing a 70.3, uh, and even training for Ironman. Um, but you know, I think, that's generally what I say your first time at Ironman, just focus eyes on the prize. Uh, you've got a lot to, to take in. Don't be distracted by, by half. Now your athletes that again, have more experience, uh, more tenure, uh, more years of training, you know, they can, they can afford uh, a little bit more to, to have that, uh, that time.
1: So something I thought was really interesting, um, again, building up for my first Ironman, Ironman Texas, um, that, and I'm going to bring up one of our tryout athletes. uh, he actually, made an appearance on the Trot Out podcast a few episodes ago uh, athlete Paul Wolf uh, from Texas he did a humble brag where he, he bragged on himself for uh, making an appearance in men's Health magazine representing the sport the sport of triathlon uh, but Paul and I uh, uh, you know sw- swim together occasionally ride together occasionally you know we, we've trained together many times uh, great guy uh, but but we're two very different athletes. Um, I'm I'm a little bit younger he's a little bit older than, than I am. Um, he's a much stronger cyclist than I am. I'm a much stronger runner than he is. And so it was really interesting to me once we were both hitting that Ironman race prep phase, even just watching kind of our workouts, we have the same schedule, right? So we have the same, uh, uh, same weekly pattern,
3: same what, same weekly pattern.
1: Yeah. Same, same weekly pattern. So, so same long run day, same long bike day, same brick workout day. And so, so you could see on Strava, my, when I would have a long run, and he would have a long run. He would go out, and his long run would be an hour and fifty minutes. Mine would be an hour and a half. And and then we would get to the weekend, and his long bike ride, his stamina bike ride, would be four hours. Mine would be four and a half. You know, and, and so you could really see how how Tridot was kind of tailoring. This is how long he's going to be on the he's going to be on the bike course shorter, so he doesn't need to to train that as long as I do because I'm going to be out there longer, and vice versa. And so it was really interesting in real time, two guys. You know, they're a little bit different in in, in their their biology, who are a little bit different in their abilities in the sports. And just seeing how TriDot was customizing it to both of us once we hit that phase uh, was really, really interesting to see.
4: There's so many amazing things about TriDot. But, you know, one thing I kind of want to come back to and and re-highlight that we've touched on a little bit um, is that, you know, many coach written or template training plans are going to prepare an athlete for a race by increasing the volume of Each discipline at the same time, kind of, you know, that line in the sand of, hey, this is when we're going to start increasing the duration um, based on the certain number of weeks that there are until that event date. However, you know, kind of like you were mentioning, Andrew, um, I'd say that a lot of athletes listening today would say that they have a discipline where they're stronger than another. And with tryout, your long bike and your long run volume may not necessarily be increasing in duration at, you know, X number of weeks out and the same number of weeks out for each discipline. You may be a really strong runner and preparing in the development phase, you're already knocking out 10 miles for your hour runs. And if you're preparing for the half marathon distance at the end of a seventy point three, there isn't much more that you're going to need to do to extend your run stamina. But you know that strong runner might be a very new cyclist, and they may need a number of weeks in the race preparation phase to really increase their stamina to ride those fifty six miles on the bike.
1: So let's let's maybe land the plane here today. Uh, the more conversations we have about how to optimize our training, how to do the right training right, how to develop power and stamina, and when in the season to do each. It's kind of given me the mindset where I almost celebrate when I can get back to the development phase because now I know that's the training that is increasing my thresholds, making me faster, knocking down those PRs on race day. John Elizabeth, as athletes yourself, what thoughts are going through your head when you get on the other side of a race and get back to the development phase? And we all firsthand experienced this recently, again, because we all just had our spring races postponed because of COVID-19. And so the, the day you got that email and found out, Oh, I don't have a race in a couple of weeks. I, we, we all were almost celebrating. Oh, cool. Yeah. It sucks. We're not racing, but we can get back to the development phase. We can get back to building those thresholds. And, and I know Jeff Raines, who's not on the podcast today. I, I saw him on, uh, on Facebook telling all of his athletes, you know, like, like encouraging them, Hey, I know it sucks. You can't race, but but let, let, let's rally. Let's work on our speed. Let's work on those thresholds. Let's get even faster. And when that race day comes, you're going to be even more prepared and you're going to finish even, even faster. How do how do you guys, when you see on your plan, when you see on the portal, okay, I'm slipping into developing Elizabeth, what, what kind of goes through your head?
4: Well, uh, like you, Andrew, I have such a great appreciation for the development phase that I didn't have five years ago. I absolutely love those long races, and I love the long training sessions. So I used to dread the time on my schedule when I'd be spending more days at the track, doing more interval-based work, um, but now I, I get excited about it. I, I still prefer those longer workouts, but I know that every time I'm in a development phase, I'm getting stronger, I'm getting faster, and that's you know going to make me better on the race course.
0: Great set, everyone. Let's cool down.
4: Excellent,
1: excellent main set right there from episode 27 of the podcast. Uh, it's re- really, really weird uh, going back and listening to myself talk about things. <laughs> uh, having, to, having to sit back and listen to your own voice. Nobody likes doing that, but I did it so that I could comment on this episode. Uh, so, so Ryan, for me, the, the, the one standout note that really drives the message of this episode home for me is Jeff Boer's pole analogy. Uh, and, and basically the, if, if someone didn't catch that in the episode, the, the tent pole analogy is the, 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 the training we do in the race prep phase, you know, as we're getting ready for race day, like that's us building our tent, uh, for race day. It's us building out our stamina and, and, and it's, it's and by the time we reach that phase, we, we already have the materials for our tent prepared. We have our tent poles, we have the tent fabric, we have, we have all, all that jazz the development phase before the race prep phase is where we are building our materials. And so we, we, we are determining how much canvas we have to work with. We're determining how tall and long those tent poles are during the development phase. And, and so once we enter the race prep phase, we can't really do anything to get our finish time faster. You know, the, the materials we're working with are already predetermined. Uh, because the development phase is where we actually do the work to, to get faster, get fitter. And then by the time we're getting ready for race day, we're just building out that stamina. And and so that analogy of like, man, by the time I enter the race prep phase, my longest, the way Jeff Boer put it, my tallest tent pole has already been built. Like the, the development phase is where you're determining how tall that tent pole is. And I've just absolutely butchered that analogy, but people heard Jeff give it much more, much better in the podcast. Uh, and, and that, that really just brings it home. It really gives you a picture of like, man, my tent can only be so high if I've skimped out on my training during the development phase. Uh, and it can be much higher, much taller. I can have a much bigger tent on race day, uh, of my fitness. If I, uh, so, so, so anyway, Ryan, I'm curious for you as a very experienced try coach, As you listen to that episode and you hear the way those coaches, John Elizabeth and Jeff talk about the development phase in your own words, why do you think this part of the season is so crucial for our athletes?
2: Yeah. You know, in my own words, and they used a lot of words that I would have (laughs) used, but I will say that I do love that tentpole analogy and I often use it because of what Booer said and, but in many ways, I look at development phase as an exciting era or exciting time to be training. It is a, in many senses, typically falls in when there's no racing going on anyways. Yeah. And definitely be between races that you have on your calendar. And so what I look at it is, it's exciting because I know what I'm about to do, or my athletes are about to do is raise that functional threshold power, push it up, and then in turn the other the other zones they don't lag behind, they follow, and so if you're going to raise zone four, raise that functional threshold power up, and then in turn, when it does come time to race, as we did here, that when it does come time to race, your race predictions are actually going to get faster. Yep, And so that's the beauty of that too. So, but the importance again in development phase is approach it with a sense of excitement, knowing that, hey, what you are doing now is going to pay, pay it forward to the future in your season, getting ready for that. It doesn't matter what distance, whether it's the sprint, the Olympic, the 70.3s or 140.6s, But you just know that raising that functional threshold power, chipping away at it, pushing that tent pole up will, again, benefit every distance that you do. So I get excited. I like being in development phase. I like that preseason era, that preseason time to really, really focus and just really start to grind it out, working on not only... Functional threshold power, working on my strength, working on my mobility, working on all of those key components and not having to worry about a race that's somewhere way down the line. And then it takes that, in a sense, some people get stressed about having that race on the calendar. They think, hey, oh man, I got to get ready for this race that's nine months from now. Yeah. But you, But you don't. You really should be focusing on what is now and what you can do now. And then when it comes time for that race prep phase to hit, you, you're you're going to all of a sudden look at your race X and see, oh, wow, my race predictions went down already. Yeah, you haven't even gotten to the race prep yet, but you now are, again, faster. You've raised that tempo, raised your FTP, raised your zones two, three, four, five, even. So it makes it exciting in my opinion, and that's how I like to push it towards my athletes is, Get them excited. Get them excited about building, getting that stronger. They everyone wants to get faster, right?
1: Yeah, I, I like that that idea of getting excited about this part of the season because people get excited about their races. And so like once the race is getting closer and they start preparing for the race, oh man, I'm excited for this race. I'm gonna do I'm I'm excited to do this training that's gonna get me ready for this race. And then the race is over and they enter the development phase and there's no race in their future and, and and as an athlete, you can kind of feel aimless, right? You can kind of feel a little like like, well, well now what? Like like so I love that resetting of your brain to think of that moment as an exciting moment because it's like, man, i've got I've got four, five, six months of training here where TriDot doesn't have to get me ready to to last one hundred and forty point six miles or seventy point three miles or whatever like where it can just focus on getting me faster and that is exciting and 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 it's hard work. Because you're going to have a lot more zone zone four and zone five intervals. You're going to have to push your body in some sessions, but that's what is going to make you faster, and that's, when, that's what's going to help you PR the next time that race comes around, right?
2: Yeah, and, and I will mention, you know, we, we often viewed the COVID time, right, as like, oh my gosh, it was a terrible time. Nobody, was, actually, racing. nobody was racing. Nobody was racing. But I got excited. I, I wasn't excited about COVID. Don't sure, sure. sure. A, yeah. yeah. I'm a respiratory therapist of all things, so... But what I was excited about was I'm in development phase right now. I'm building. I'm getting stronger. This was an opportunity. And so, you know, as of now, I'm fixing to race, and I'm looking forward to my development phase. That I, I got a race, like, literally in a week, but I am looking forward to that development phase as well. It's so exciting. So, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and at the time we recorded this podcast originally in 2020, I had not done a full-distance Ironman uh, and, and and so I didn't have that experience in my back pocket to 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 speak to, but now that I have, yeah, I was very excited to get done with all that long training and get back to the 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 short and shorter and harder development stuff. And I I remember going through that training cycle and getting into those three, four, five hour long bike rides, and your legs are torched, and it was really interesting because when my swim, bike, and run assessments would come around, even though Tridot was having to focus on building out my stamina and it couldn't focus on building my power for the most part I held my dots like my my, I didn't lose power I didn't now I I wasn't bumping the dot and I wasn't seeing my FTP climb 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 my 5k wasn't getting faster 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 but I was I was even on legs that were really tired from the long training sessions I was holding my dots in a way that I did not and I see people I I see people comment like oh man I had a five-hour ride yesterday Getting ready for Ironman and to has me doing a five k assessment tomorrow. What? Yeah, go do that assessment. You'll probably surprise yourself. Uh, you'll, you'll, you're either going to hold your dot or you might just slightly be a tad slower. But you're going to surprise yourself even on tired legs. Uh, and then you get and it, it, you get back to the the development phase and you you see, oh my gosh, I have so much more gas in the tank to work on my power now that that long course thing is done. It was a really enlightening experience going through that that going from development phase to race prep phase back to development phase for the first time. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, Ryan, last question. And then we will shut down this episode talking about this. Uh, 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 I'm sure this is gonna be well over an hour at this point talking about development phase, but it's good stuff. Uh, for your athletes, when they have the development phase back on the calendar, they just got done with a the race they're, they're getting back to just training, uh, uh, uh more power based stuff. There's not a race on the calendar. When you're as as coach, when you're talking them through that, like, hey, you know, you just finished a race, you're back in the development phase, you're in the development phase for another three, four, five, six months. What is that conversation like? Well, what are you encouraging them to focus on in, in that portion of their training uh, year?
2: Uh, it, this almost feels like you know giving away a little secret sauce, but you know sure. what it, it's it's this what's about. It's about helping everyone as much as we can as coaches, Absolutely. and so. I I do honestly, even I talk about this opportunity and again, go back to the word, simple word of excitement that we are we are going to focus on, hey, I want you athlete. I say, hey, I want, tell me what you feel is your weakness right now. Tell me what you want is you want to work on. And then we identify that. We, we, Hone in on their goal for next season, and say, "All right, your bike, your run, or perhaps even your swim. What is it that you really want to work hard on and get better?" You know, and and it's it's always a glaring thing. They know by the end of the season, they identify. I, I coach. I need to work on my run. Okay, this is that time. That during development phase, we can start and and really focus in on that specific discipline. And of course, there is, you got to be very careful in when going as a coach and as an athlete, it's like, don't you don't increase all your disciplines to high. No, we focus on on one thing. We also focus on strength. We focus on mobility, as I mentioned, and we do through throughout the season as well. But this becomes now creating those habits, those those things that you want to, again, if you don't do them on a daily, you're going to miss it on a daily. And so during development phase is that opportunity. I I'll view everything as an opportunity. Everything is in a, a sense of excitement for development phase and, and talking to them and really, again, focusing on their needs. I want to know what they want. And so then we can hone and tailor their programming specifically to those needs.
0: Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and share the TriDot podcast with your triathlon crew. For more great Tri content and community, connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Ready to optimize your training? Head to TriDot.com and start your free trial today. Tri-Dye, the obvious and automatic choice for triathlon training.